Well, we got to part number six of this series, and uh, next week we're going to conclude this uh, seven series, and uh, uh, we're going to take on a whole different thing next week. We're actually going to look at the book of, of Revelation next week, and so if you've ever been confused by some of the things in the book of Revelation, which means if you've ever read it, you've been confused, and so uh, we're going to look at it, and uh, it's going to be uh, neat to look at uh, what's going on in our world right now um, compared to what, what, what some of the things in the book of Revelation have to say. But uh, before uh, we do that, we're going to talk about uh, something today, and we're going to continue in a story in the Old Testament. But through this series, we've seen that if you just stick at it in this journey of faith, when God speaks and God says something, if you are obedient to God and you continue to just keep going through on doing what God has told you to do, uh, eventually you will see a breakthrough in life. You will see God do amazing things in your life. Well, about two months ago, I had dinner with a school uh, a school friend of mine, someone I went to school with many years ago, actually someone who went to church with me. And when I was a youth pastor, he was one of the leaders who helped me lead uh, the youth ministry at our church. His name was Adrian. A- a- Aid's a great guy, and uh, he was one of those guys that all the uh, all the women loved when we were young. He was, he was tall. Uh, his mother was originally from Jamaica, and uh, so he was a, a, a sprinter. I'm not being like stereotypical. He was a sprinter. And, uh, and then his uh, sister is an R&B artist in the UK. And so wherever we went, all the girls would just flock around Aid. I mean, he was just like this guy. He worked out. He had like muscles that were coming out of places. I don't even think muscles grew. And so great guy. So he was a popular guy and he knew everybody. And it was really neat just to have uh, dinner with him and his family a couple of months ago. So I started asking him because he kind of still keeps in contact with everybody we went to school with. And I started asking about different ones and he was telling me about their lives and uh, some of them he hadn't heard from, some of them he had. Then he told me, because he said, do you remember Goey? I was like, yeah, I remember Goey. Now Goey was uh, a kid at our school who was, uh, he was tall and he was like, like the uh, one of the popular kids, right? He, uh, he, he, there was always a flock of guys around him, and uh, you know, he was a leader of, of, of the kids at school. He was uh, from Indian descent, and uh, uh, he was his family were a Hindu family, and uh, he believed in the Hindu faith. But uh, he was one of those guys where, like, if he walked into the room, like, you were silent because you know, he would either beat you up or you know, he would say something that would like put you down. So he was kind of one of these guys. Well, he told me, he says, Remember. I said, yeah. He said, well, it's funny because a couple of months ago, uh, we had a special service at our church and, uh, and, and Goey and his family walked into church. And I looked at him, I'm like, what are you doing here? And, uh, and I was like, what? Goey went to church? And he said, yeah. He said, it was the weirdest thing. He said, so we, we, our church had this special guy in who had like this, this, uh, this gift of healing. He could pray for people. And, and lots of people have been healed just through him praying for them. And, uh, and, 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 and he started to tell me about how Goey and his wife two years ago had given birth to a child who was deaf. And uh, they had tried everything and they'd taken this child to all the doctors and the doctors couldn't do anything uh, for this child at all. And, uh, and, and that they were basically desperate. 
And uh, Goey's sister-in-law had become a Christian. And uh, actually through a miracle, she had actually uh, had been very sick herself. And uh, she, she had come to God through this sickness, uh, being desperate, and God had healed her of the sickness. So she invited Goey and her wife to this church service. And, uh, and, and basically he turned up not believing in God, not believing in Jesus Christ, still a Hindu, but he was just desperate. And I was just amazed that he was even in church because there was one guy you would think would never even enter the doors of church. If you would ask him to come to church, he would have laughed at you. He would have denied you. But in the times of desperation, his little daughter who was deaf, they were seeking something. They were desperate for God to do something. Even if they didn't even know there was a God in heaven, they were just like, well, we need to find an answer to this little girl's condition and you find that in life people who are desperate they start to reach out to God even if they don't believe in God now what if I was to ask you this morning or what if I was to tell you that we as a church had a good reputation in our community or in our state and people were amazed by the people of Generation Church now you guys are good people but I want us to dream a little this morning what if our reputation was so good that people knew that the power of God was here in this place when the people of Generation Church gathered, that people who were desperate, like Goey, would come and run to us and say, I hear that God is in the presence of your gatherings, or God is there where you are. I want to experience God because I'm desperate. Imagine if that happened. Imagine for a moment if we as a church, we managed our household and our finances so good that people, our reputation started to spread, that people who were in desperate need and couldn't manage their household or their finances came in and says, we want to learn from you guys. We want to learn how you can manage. Imagine for a moment if our marriages were so solid And so Christ-centered that even if we went through a bunch of terrible things in our marriage, they were still strong. And the word started to spread that people who were going through marital issues, they came to us and said, teach us. How can we stay happily married in this day and age? Imagine if there were testimonies of people who were connected to Generation Church who had found divine healing. That they were sick or that they had a terminal illness and suddenly God healed them. And the word started to spread. You know what you would find? That people who had sicknesses and they didn't know where to turn. And when the doctor said that there's no hope, they would start to come and start to experience our gatherings because they would be searching for healing. Imagine if the same was true for people with addictions or depression or anxiety and they started to hear the testimonies how people at Generation Church were freed of their addictions or freed of their depression or anxiety. Imagine if if we became so deep in our faith and so wide in our evangelism that other churches were like, whoa, can you teach us how to do this life of faith in the 21st century? Imagine if our reputation was that good. What would happen is people from all over would start to look towards us and say, what can we do? 
to become a little bit more like you. Now, when you walk out of your front door in the morning or you go to the mailbox or you go to the supermarket or you go to Target, this is what happens every single time. You are bombarded with marketing material. People are marketing you like crazy. This is what happens. People want your attention and they want your money, right? That's what happens. So you go to the mailbox, and how many direct mailers do you find in your mailbox? Because people are marketing you to death. Everyone wants a piece of you. And while marketing in of itself is not bad, the best way if you're a business to attract new customers is through a good reputation. It's through people talking about you and saying they did such a great job. And so this morning, we want to talk about somebody who had a good reputation, so much so that the word started to spread about this person's reputation. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to the second book of Kings, chapter 5. The second book of Kings, chapter 5. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry, it will be on the screen. I'm going to start reading at verse 1, and we're going to read verses 1 to 5. It says this. The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master, Naaman, would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I I want you to heal him of his leprosy. So there's a guy called Naaman who is the commander of the armies of Aram. Aram is an enemy of Israel. They were in one of the surrounding areas around the nation of Israel. But Naaman had leprosy. He had this illness. He was a great commander, but he had leprosy. Now, there was a prophet in Israel whose reputation had become famous. His name was Elisha. Elisha was what we would call a miracle maker. Miracles were just like constantly following Elisha. Wherever he went, there was miracles that were happening. His reputation had spread so much that now the people in the country of Aram, they were now talking about this man, Elisha. His reputation had become renowned, not because of a marketing plan, but because the power of God was with him. And let me tell you today, when the power of God is with you, word starts to spread. You can just be an average person who just has an average life. But if the power of God is with you, word starts to spread that there is something different about you. Now, just to give you a background of Elisha, Elisha was the the apprentice of a man we talked about last week called Elijah. 
Elijah is a man who did many miracles, but when Elijah, Elijah, the Bible says he went up to heaven, and when he went up to heaven, he gave Elijah a double portion of his power, the power of God on him, the Spirit of God. So Elisha started doing even more miracles than Elijah. And apart from Jesus, Elisha is the man who, that it is recorded in the Bible, did more miracles than any other man who has ever lived. This is the man, Elisha. Now, Elisha lived at a time in a country, the country of Israel, that was not a godly country at the time. When we think of Israel, we think, you know, God's people, godly place. But it was not a godly country at the time. In fact, there had been divisions amongst the country of Israel. There was these big divides. There was disunity throughout the country and people were not serving God. It reminds me a little bit of the country we live in right now. Because the reality is we live in the United States and we are a disunited country right now. Whatever you believe, whatever your beliefs and your ideologies are, whether you believe in something or you believe against something, we are a country that is pretty divided right now. You just have to switch on the TV for five minutes or scroll down social media for five minutes and you'll find that there are people who are divided. And... We live in a, in a time where tolerance is the word, right? We've got to be tolerant of everybody. We've got, to, uh, we, we, we've got to be open-minded about everything else and everyone else. And we can't tell other people how to live their lives. And the cultural spirit of, of this age speaks tolerance. But while it's speaking tolerance, it's building walls that divide. And the more we speak about tolerance and being open-minded, the more divided we are becoming as a country. And it's very similar to how Israel was at this time. Now, Naaman was from a country, the country of Aram, that were enemies of Israel. And the Bible says that they had sent, uh, uh, they, they, they had set, uh, sent people into Israel to get captives and bring captives back. Uh, people, they basically took people into slavery. And there was a, a young girl who was brought into slavery. And she was given to Naaman's wife as a maid. Now, I find it very interesting, and we're not going to talk about this today, but I find it very interesting. In 2 Kings 5.1, it says this. It says that through Naaman, the Lord had given Aram great victories. And this is maybe something you want to talk about in small group this week because it's very interesting because Israel thought they were the only ones that God fought for. But the Bible says here that God gave Aram victories, which is very interesting. But Naaman was the commander of the army, and it was a great army. But for all his expertise, he had one issue. He had a sickness. It was leprosy. Leprosy is this. Leprosy is a, is a disease. It's, it's a bacterium that gets into your body, and it starts to affect your nerve endings so that you cannot feel. Now, today, we have a solution. We have an antidote to leprosy. But in, back in those days, there was no antidote. If you got leprosy, that was it. You were on a death sentence. Now, leprosy was so bad because you could not feel, so you could not feel your joints or your limbs. In the end, your, 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 your joints and your limbs and your fingers would start to get disfigured. And because you couldn't feel anything, you couldn't feel pain. And you couldn't feel if something was bad. 
And something as small as having grit in your eye could result in blindness because you could not feel the grit in your eye. It was a deadly disease that if you got, it was a death sentence. And this was Naaman. Now, Naaman's leprosy had affected his life so much. And everybody knew Naaman was going to die early because of the leprosy. And so this young girl, this young maid comes up who's been taken captive from Israel. She comes up to, to, to Naaman's wife and says, please, can you tell your master? If you just go to this guy in Israel, his name is Elisha. His reputation says that he can do miracles. He can heal your leprosy. And Naaman says, okay, I'll go and see him. And Naaman's leprosy shows us that when you are clinging to your life by a thread, difference in beliefs, in race, in color, in ideologies, they go out the window. Who cares about your enemies when your life is in the balance? And this was the same for my friend Goey. His daughter's life was, was in the balance. That They wanted to find a solution to her deafness. And so for him, he was like, I'm a Hindu, but I'm going to go and see if this thing about Jesus is really true. And Jesus really can heal her. And this was the same with Naaman. Naaman said, okay, well, let's go see him. I don't believe in his God. I don't believe in what he worships. They're an enemy of our country, but I'm going to go and see him. Because my life is in the balance. And it was that moment when he said yes, that his miracle started to happen. This is what I know, that when you distance yourself from people because they are not like you, there's a chance you will miss out on all that God has for you. And in this broken world that we live in right now, there's so many people who will not even associate with other people because they believe different things. They're not like them. But this is what I know, when you start to distance yourself from others because they're not like you. You can often miss out on all that God has for you. And Naaman, if Naaman had distanced himself because he says, well, they're in Israel. I'm not going to go and see an Israelite. They're an enemy of ours. Then he would have never received the healing that we're going to read about in a little bit. So as we continue, 2 Kings 5, verse, uh, 2, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 6 and verse 7 and 8, it says this. It says, that they sent a letter to the king and they said, can you heal this man? And the letters of the king says, with this letter, I present my sermon, my, my, my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, this man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he, he sent this message to the man. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So when I first started reading this, I always find it funny when people are in dismay in the Bible, they like tore their clothes. I'm like, if I did that, I think I would have no wardrobe. I'd be broke because I'd be constantly going to the store to buy new clothes. I don't know why they did that. But 
Naaman speaks to the king of Aram, and Aram says, yes, go and take all these gifts, and I'll send you a letter to the king of Israel. And the letter says this to the king, heal me of, or heal my servant Naaman of his leprosy. When I first read this, I thought, why did Naaman go to the king of Israel? Why the king of Israel? And then I started thinking about it a little bit more, and I started to realize We so often misunderstand success for God's power. In church, we often are terrible at this. The reputation of Elijah had spread so great that a man so powerful must be a position of power in his country. If a man can do that many miracles, then he must be the king of his country. See, we see that today in our day. We look at people and we think if they're successful, they must be powerful. If things are going right for them, then, 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 then they're the ones who are powerful. They're the ones of influence. They're the ones I need to speak to. And it was exactly the same in Naaman's day. So we went looking for the most successful position in the country because he must be the one who has the secret to the healing. And that was the king. And the king got offended. Who am I? Am I God that I can heal somebody? And this is what I see from this story. Success does not mean that God's power is there. Great influence does not mean that God's power is there. Gathering a crowd does not mean that God's power is there. Just because someone is successful or influential or they have a lot of people following them does not mean God's power is there with them. The honest truth about Elisha, nobody was following Elisha. He was out on his own. And even though he could do great miracles, he did not have a position of power. He did not have the influence that the king had. But the reality was, he had the power of God with him. And very often in searching for the freedom from pain, we go to the people that we think can help instead of the people that God knows can help us. I remember when we started this church, we, we, we sought out a, a few different church planting organizations that would help us because that's what you did. And, and it didn't work out. And, 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 and we were like, God, why is this not working out? And suddenly we started realizing because God wanted us to go a different route. And if we had gone that route, we would have never become who God wanted us to become. We have a couple of leaders at, at our church. And I've had this conversation with them that, that in, when we started looking at them for leadership, I, immediately I was like, well, no, I don't think they've got it. Because they didn't display the attributes of what I was looking for in a leader. And I remember one night, especially with one of them, God just really spoke to me. and was like, no, this is the person. And I had to bend to God and say, okay. And I've had this conversation with them. But yet they've proved to be so faithful. Proved that they were the right people. And so often we can look at the wrong people. And this is what Naaman started to do. He looked at the king instead of Elisha. But as we continue to read the story, then Elisha says, no, bring him to me. So in verse 9, it says, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a message out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry 
and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out and meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. On the rivers of Damascus and Abana and Farpar, better than any of the rivers in Israel, why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in, ra- in, in, in a rage. So Naaman goes to Elisha's house. He knocks on the door. Elisha does not even come out of his house. Instead, he sends a messenger to him. How rude, right? I mean, come on. If someone knocks on your door, you know. Now, when I was a kid, my mother used to get people all the time coming to her house, and they would just knock on the door. And we used to have somebody who used to come like most Sundays, but they were chatterboxes. Now, this is just between us kids right this morning. This doesn't leave this room. But they were a chatterbox, and my mom used to hate it. And I remember one Sunday afternoon, they came, and my mom says, quick, let's hide. So we hid, right? Well, the next week, my mom did not see them coming. So they came, and they knocked on the door, and they opened the door. And the first things that came out of my mouth was this. They said, I love it when you guys come, because we get to play hide and seek. (laughs) But how rude, right? How rude. And this is what happens with Neymar. And he got very angry. And he was like, what, is this man not even going to come and see me? See, Naaman was a man of influence. He was a great commander. He could open huge doors for Elisha and his miracle ministry. Naaman had lots of money. He had lots of resources. And if Elisha was any good at marketing or if he was any good at business, he would have jumped at the opportunity to to, to bring Naaman into his house, to get to know him, to to, to use him as some leverage. and, and, And maybe his miracle ministry could have spread even further. But that wasn't Elisha. See, in Elisha's, in Naaman's country, Naaman was a somebody with authority. But in God's country, he was a nobody in need of a savior. And this is just how we come to Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. And the truth is this, you are a nobody in need of a savior. A nobody in need of a savior. And you may not have leprosy like Naaman, but you've got something even worse. You've got sin on the inside that is eaten away at you and you need a savior. You are a nobody in need of a savior, but the great thing is if you come to God with that attitude, you will leave as a somebody who is friends and even co-heirs to the kingdom of God with the savior. And this morning, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are no longer a nobody. You are a somebody. You are a child of the living God. You are somebody who has been cleansed and saved from your sin. That that sin is no longer eaten away at you. A death sentence isn't hanging over you. But now you have new life because of Christ. And the, the, the promise is this, that now you have an inheritance and that inheritance is heaven. You were once a nobody in need of a savior. Now you are a somebody who is friends and co-heirs with the savior. And so for Naaman, Naaman gave 
Elisha the cold shoulder. The solution was this. Go and dip and wash yourself in the Jordan River seven times. And Naaman gets all upset. Naaman was like, who are you to tell me to go and dip and wash myself in a dirty old river? But Naaman's ego was a little inflated. And if your ego is inflated, don't be surprised if God will use people to bring you down a notch or two. But think about it. Go and wash yourself in the Jordan River. The Jordan River was a strength of Israel. They were proud of the Jordan River. Naaman was not from Israel. He was from other countries. And that's why Naaman says, well, what's so special about the Jordan River? Why is your river better than our rivers? Why is your river better than any of the other rivers in other nations? What must Naaman had been thinking? That I've just wasted all my time. I've left my army. I've left my family. I've left my country. I've come into enemy territory to meet this guy who is telling me just to go and wash in a river. No wonder he was hopping mad. He didn't even come and see him at the door. I would have been furious if you asked me. And this is why so many people have a hard time coming to Christ because the solution to his healing was so simple and almost unbelievable. Go and wash yourself in the river seven times. Doesn't make sense. Naaman was expecting a God moment. He was expecting Elisha to come out like a wizard or something and go over him. And then the power of God was going to hit him and suddenly he would be healed and everything would be okay and everyone would be in awe of God. And that's so often so many people, they come to God, they're expecting this moment where they like hear an audible voice from God or, or, or see an angel or something like that. But the reality is this, when you come to Christ, it is so simple to find your healing from sin. It's about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins and believing in him. So many people that, that, that they want so much that, that they want to a checklist. Well, if I can mark all this off and do all these works, then I'll be right with God. But the reality is with God, it's simple. The Bible says that it's by the grace of God that you are saved. It's not by works, not by things that you can do that any man can boast. So we continue the story and we see this in verse 13. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says, Simply go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River, dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child and he was healed. The solution to your breakthrough is simple. Don't overthink it. Naaman's uh, healing was not about the Jordan River. It was about obedience to God. Obedience to God. There was nothing special about washing in the Jordan River. It was not the fountain of youth. It was about obedience to God. For Naaman to dip himself in the Jordan River and wash himself, it was a humbling experience for him. And it's not uncommon for obedience to take us through the valley of humility. And the seventh time he comes up. And it's almost like he's been down to altar and got some anti-aging cream that worked instantly. 
His skin is as youthful. He listened to his officers. But think this. He went down six times and nothing happened. And then he went down the seventh time and it was no different to any of the other times. But eventually on that seventh time, he came up and he was healed. And this shows how your obedience and humility works. That if you are just obedient to God and keep doing what God has told you to do, it may not feel like anything else. It may feel like you've just done this a million times. But eventually the miracle will happen. Eventually the breakthrough will happen. The moments before the miracle did not feel any different to any time before. But he continued. And the Bible tells us, and our time's gone this morning, but the Bible tells us that the Naaman got out and his skin was perfect. The leprosy had gone and he decided to go back to Elisha's house. He went back to Elisha's house. Now Elisha isn't so rude. Elisha comes out and sees him. And Naaman starts to offer him all these goods and says, wow, it's amazing. You have proved to me today that there is a God in Israel and he is the one true God. And then the Bible tells us this. Naaman says that I will serve him for the rest of my life. He says, please forgive me while my king serves other gods. And if I'm there in the presence with him, but I will serve God for the rest of my life. See, the true miracle that happened that day was not that Naaman's skin began to feel again. It wasn't that the leprosy had gone. The true miracle was this, that in his time of desperation, Naaman found God. He found God. As we close up this story, there's one last twist of the tale. Naaman wanted to repay Elisha. Elisha says, no, I don't want your money. I don't want your money. Just go and take your gifts back to your land. Elisha's servant does not like what he heard his master saying. His name is Gehazi. And Gehazi sneaks out of the house. And he chases down Naaman and he tells Naaman, he says, my, my master Elisha, has, he, he, he's changed his mind. He wants the money. So Gehazi takes the money and then he goes back to the house. And he's a little stupid, to be honest, if you excuse the word. Because his master's a prophet. And prophets kind of had this inside knowledge to everything, kind of spooky. And Elisha says, Gehazi, what have you done? Why did you take that money? And Gehazi says, I didn't take any money. He goes, yes, you did. He says, because you took that money, because you went behind my back, because you didn't do what was right, then that same illness that Naaman got, you're going to get, and your descendants will get it as well. And that day, Gehazi was struck down with leprosy. This is what it shows us. We should never ever you got, use God's power for our own personal gain. Never use God's kingdom to build your own kingdom. It's about having a pure heart and being obedient to God. So what if God's power became so powerful here at Generation Church like it was in the life of Elisha.
I wonder what would happen if the word got out. And you may say, well, that could never happen. That was Old Testament stuff. That was stuff that happened years ago. That would never happen. I have never seen anything like that happen again. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 18 tells us this. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. That was Jesus' word to his disciples. And those words are still true here today. To go into all the world and declare the name of Jesus. And when we do that, the Spirit of God is with us. And that we can go into dangerous situations, and if God is with us, we will be okay. And if we are confronted with difficult situations and God is with us, we can navigate through them. And if we are confronted with sickness or disease, when God is with us, we can see healing. We can see the same power that Elisha saw in our lives today in 2017. I know it's almost unbelievable, but that is the promise of God, that the miraculous signs of Jesus will follow those who believe. And so if you are in a place where you need healing today, then you can be healed. If you're in a place where you are in a difficult situation, you can navigate it through because Jesus is with you. If you are in a place where you are desperate like Naaman or my friend Goey, and desperate times and you do not know where to turn, if God is with you, then it's okay. For God will see it through. These miraculous signs will follow those who believe. Let's bow our heads in prayer. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, our time's gone this morning. But this is what I know from the story of Naaman. Sometimes God allows us to go through things so that we get desperate enough to call out to him. And maybe you're in that place right now where you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But you're in this place today where you're kind of desperate enough that you're looking for answers. And the Bible says that if you call out to him, he will answer. And this morning, that is what God is longing for you to do, to call out to him and give your life over to him. The Bible says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Remember, you are a nobody in need of a savior. But if you come to God with an attitude of repentance and believing on him, you will leave as a somebody who is friends and co-heirs to the kingdom of God with a Savior, and His name is Jesus. So if you're in this place today and you do not know the Lord as your personal Savior, this morning, all it takes is saying, God, I am sorry for my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. 
I choose to follow you. I believe on you. I believe in you, what you have done for me. I believe you are my Savior and my Lord. And I choose, just like Naaman, to follow you for the rest of my days. And if you pray that prayer, then the healing from sin will take place and you will be freed from a life of condemnation. And just like Naaman, you will live a life free of the pain of sin. Maybe you're in this place today and you know you're probably just not trusting in God enough. You've got some things going on in your life and maybe you need to humble yourself a little bit more like Naaman did. And God has spoken to you, but it seems so wacky. Or it seems so simple that you thought that the, the breakthrough or the miracle must be so much harder than this. If that's you today, then come back to God and come back to that place where you say, God, whatever you need, whatever you want, whatever you say, I will do. for the miracle is here. There are others in this place today and you are committed believers of Jesus Christ and you've never seen a miracle in your life. Well, maybe today is the day to hold on to that promise that Jesus gave, that these miraculous signs will follow those who believe and that you, like Elisha, can start to get a reputation that God is with you and that where God is, the signs and the wonders that this world cannot provide will follow you because Jesus is with you. And so as we pray today, if any of those things resonate with you, pray with me today.